Well, good morning on this uh, bright and very, very cold day. This week I've had uh, several people ask me about uh, Texas and if there's anything that we can do to help those who are, are struggling and going through some pretty tough stuff in Texas. We've been in contact with some Nazarene friends there and, and trying to work through ways to be able to help and a way to be able to give to the Nazarene church uh, in this specific emergency, and we'll get that to you as soon as we know. I do know, although it's kind of a challenge in these COVID times, but I'll mention it in case it's impressed upon your heart, they have a big need for people to come in and help who are contractors and plumbers. Lots of burst pipes, lots of water that's caused all kinds of damage, and I know that's one of the things that probably for quite a while they're going to be dealing with. So if that's impressed upon you, then uh, let us know, and uh, we'll see if we can get a group together to go over there and help. So I want to make you aware of that, because uh, I know there's been some questions about that as we pray for that particular area of our country. Well, as we, uh, uh, I don't know, for some reason the idea of dancing with God's word has been uh, on my mind today. We're going to be we're going to be looking back in a pretty big way uh, over the course of the next few weeks during the season of Lent, and it kind of reminds me a bit of a TV show that my wife Dylan and I have been into now for a while. It's a show called This Is Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jen watches it. Yeah. Um, and I won't make you raise your hand. Uh, maybe you don't want to admit to it. I don't know. But anyway, we watch it, and it's this 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 cool show. Uh, that follows the Pearson family, Jack and Rebecca and Randall and Kate and Kevin, and all the people that are, revolve around them. And to, to, to me, what makes this show unique is that it's set in present reality, you know, with, with the, the, the three siblings who were born on the same day, uh, who uh, are living in 2021, and they're dealing with COVID realities and things like that. But it, it wouldn't, it's not uncommon at all for the script to just jump around. And especially to jump back. And, and you might jump back to the time when the siblings were born or when the siblings are, are teenagers. And you'll even jump back before them to when Jack and Rebecca were growing up, before they, they got married and, and their encounters with, with their parents. And uh, a recent episode kind of just struck me, the, the value of looking back. We had this episode where Kevin is trying to be a good dad. He's trying to get to the hospital in time uh, for his twins to be born. And at the same time, the script takes you to uh, when he had a time with his dad, Jack, whenever he was a teenager, and they were going to a quarterback camp, taking a trip there. And, and then also the, the script flushes all the way back to when Jack was with his dad at a playoff Little League game. And we gain a greater understanding uh, of what motivates Jack to be a good father to Kevin by the way he didn't want to be like his father who just lit into him after that, that game was over because, because Jack gave up the winning home run and his team lost the championship. It's there, it just lit into him. And, and we understand the, the motivation that Kevin has to, to, to be a good dad because of the way Jack was for him and how when they were at that, that football camp and he was worried about how he was going to do and, and Jack said to Kevin, you know, it doesn't matter. Your value is not based on what you do at this camp. There's so much more why you're important. And we understand by looking back what's happening in the present. And, and, and so that to me is what's happening for us as we take this journey with some big names, Noah and Abraham and, and Moses and David and Jeremiah, to look back and understand 
more about what's happening here right now. See, we're in the season of Lent. It began this past Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. And we're in the first Sunday of Lent. And, and, and so we're going to be on this journey together until, until Easter, which is the first Sunday in April. And it's going to be a journey into the past. It's going to be a journey that's about covenant. We've used that word before, but just to make sure we're on the same page. A, a covenant, it's an agreement between two individuals or it's between two groups or an individual and a group who are or are going to be in relationship with each other. It's like a contract, but the emphasis is more on, on uh, um, being the best you can be for the other person or group. And, and, and there's, no, uh, there's no expiration date on, on covenant. I think marriage would be a, a, a good present-day example of, of, of a type of covenant. So we're going to be taking this walk through the Old Testament during Lent, and, and like this show, This Is Us, I, I believe this journey through the Old Testament is going to give us a greater understanding of where we are, especially in light of this season of Lent. And I'm going to warn you, it's, it's not going to be an easy journey. In the Old Testament, we'll find a God who is continually looking for ways to be in covenant or relationship with humanity. But humanity continually does not live up to their part of the agreement. And, and this journey of covenant shows God's faithfulness, but from the human side, it shows wandering and, and cheating and, and disobedience and failure. I would say one of my goals in life is, is not to fail. I think we spend a lot of time and energy to, to be a success and to, and to avoid that, to avoid failure. And I think it's safe to say there are times we, we fear. We fear failure. But during Lent, we come face to face with our failure on purpose. When we observe Lent in the way that we should, we honestly assess ourselves before God. And we find out that we're not worthy. We're not entitled. We're not deserving of even being in a relationship with God. We recognize that only God can be the one that fixes it. And so the hope is, is as we come to that realization that we start to greatly desire what God is going to do, and to desire that, what it means for our lives when we reach this place, what Easter is all about. You see, the Christian calendar itself kind of takes us on a journey. I call it the R journey. See, Epiphany is about revelation, all the way from a baby in a manger being revealed as the Son of God, the King of Kings, to three wise men or three kings to God revealing him in his baptism and the transfiguration as the Son of God to, to, to the disciples and those around who could hear that voice from heaven. So, and we go from, from revelation to, to realization, what we just talked about, realizing our inability to be deserving of God's grace. And we understand that, that this forgiveness that we need. And we need to get to that place to, so that we can fully celebrate what Easter brings, what Easter brings, redemption, recreation, and renewal. 
So we're going to be in the Old Testament to try and get to that place of realization in all of its fullness so that we can celebrate Easter in all of its fullness on April the 4th. So today we're going to be in the, towards the very beginning. It's the origins of, of, of our world. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 9. We're going to be in verses 8 through 17 of that chapter. You can find it if you want in your Bible. Uh, you can find it on your Bible app. You can use the version that, that you use the most. If you like, you can just simply let the word soak in as we hear the word of God spoken together here in community today. And, and I would invite you, if you can, to stand in reverence as we hear from the word of God together here in this place. And if you'd like, at home, you can do the same thing. Genesis 8, 9, chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all wild animals, all those that came out of you, out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between you and me and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. And whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Go and have a seat. I think that the writer of Genesis really wants to get across some pretty basic points, right? And there's a story that we are entering into that obviously is really towards its conclusion. And, and many of you recognize this as the, as the story of the, of the great flood and, and the art that Noah built to, to save himself and his family and, and the animals uh, from that flood. And I think it's important for us to, to briefly look at the, the story that leads up to this. But the story actually starts in the beginning. Let's look at that for a second. So in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, God speaks. All throughout 1, he speaks. And, and we, see, we see all kinds of things get created. We, we see moon, sun, moon, stars, land, oceans, flowers, llamas, fish, cows, Anything that you can think of, God created those things. And, and, and then he, also, he created humans as well. And after God speaks into being all these things, he ends by saying, it's good. It's very good. And in chapter 2 of Genesis, God breathes. And Adam and Eve, they're created. And it's obvious that this couple is meant for, a, it's been created for a special reason. To, to be in a relationship with God, to, to oversee the creation that he's spoken into existence. But by chapter 3, it's already falling apart. Adam and Eve make a decision to do, to do what God said not to do. Not from that tree. Don't eat that apple. 
and they face the consequence of being booted out of the Garden of Eden. And then in chapter 4, it gets even worse. Cain, their oldest son, he, he, he murders his younger brother Abel because Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than he did. And, and by Genesis chapter 6, right before the flood, I mean, the wheels have completely come off through the sin of the, of the future generations after Adam and Eve and Cain. And everything is just spinning out of control. And, and it's kind of summed up in verse 5 of chapter 6 when we read this. Every inclination of the thoughts of humankind's heart was only evil all the time. You know that good that, that God created in Genesis chapter 1 that he spoke into existence? It was the exact opposite of that. Humankind was not acting at all like God intended, except for one person, Noah, who the scripture says was, was righteous and blameless and, and faithful. And so God gives him instructions about building an ark, and, and Noah builds it, and then he takes on his family and, and, and the animals, and, and God shuts the door. And then it rains, right? Remember? For those of you who know the story, it rains for 40 days straight. Not, not the drizzle kind, but the downpour kind. So much so that whenever the rain stopped, it took 150 more days before the ark actually rested on dry ground. And so after they do that, the door opens, they come out, and that's where we are for our passage here this morning. What takes place when they come out of the ark. And in one way, this is a difficult story for us to stomach, right? That, that the world had become so evil that God just chose to do it. God chose to do a massive reset. An image of God that I, that, uh, that I read about this week from the flood that someone imagining that it's like a grieving parent who sees his hopes and dreams dashed and, and what, what he had made so very good had become so very bad beyond recognition of, of, of what he had created back in Genesis 1 and 2 when he spoke and he breathed. The good news is, in this post-flood scene, God makes a covenant with Noah. He's not going to do a reset like he did with the flood. And, and normally a covenant involves two parties. Who, make, who both make commitments. But as you notice from this opening passage that we're in, God is the one who's making the covenant. God is the one who's doing the promising, promising to show mercy. And he backs it up with a sign, a rainbow. Who, who doesn't love seeing a, a, a rainbow in the sky, right? It, it's colorful. And, and it means that the rain is coming to an end, and it means that the sun is coming out. And this, this rainbow is meant to be a reminder. It's a reminder to us. And how many of us look at the rainbow today and we think about a reminder from a, a Genesis story? Maybe some of us do think back to, to Noah and the ark, and, and, and that would make sense. But I'm hoping that we're going to remember when we see the rainbow from now on the promise that God makes here and to know the love of God that comes from that promise when we see those rainbows. 
And I'm hoping that we'll be able to know that love even though if there's not a rainbow in the sky. I'm hoping that this promise, this covenant will stay in front of us as we take this journey in Lent. This covenant, this promise, what God makes with Noah in Genesis chapter 9 is this. He basically says to Noah, and he says this to us, I will find another way. I will find another way. In one of his New Testament letters, Peter, the Apostle Peter, explains this other way in a really beautiful way. And it's actually in that passage when he looks back at the time of Noah, it's in 1 Peter chapter 3. And here's what Peter says there. For Christ also suffered for once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. This is the, the other way. This is the promise fulfilled that, that God made to Noah back in Genesis chapter 9. Peter goes on to say that in that passage that Jesus preaches the good news to those during Noah's time. And, and, and honestly, this is a, a passage that's, that's stumped scholars forever. What does this mean? And, and, and I'm not going to pretend that, that I know the answer, but it seems like it's one of two things. E- either, either Jesus, after he rose from the dead, went and preached to the spirits of those who lived during Noah's time before the ark, or he, he preached the gospel through Noah as Noah was building that ark. After all, the Apostle, John, the Apostle John says that Jesus has been around since the beginning, and maybe the gospel was preached that way. To me, that's not the point. The point is, is that God will find a way to get that gospel, that good news to us, to those who need to hear it, even if he has to descend into hell itself. God seeks to be in relationship in covenant with us. He, he's the initiator. He's the inviter. He seeks to make covenant with us like he did with Noah. The rainbow, it's a reminder that there are storms that we face and, and, and go through that put us at the end of our rope. And the biggest storm in our life is it, it, the sin that we have that separates us from God. And, and during this time of Lent, we come face to face with this, and it's not, it's not comfortable because sin equals failure. And it can take different, different shapes. That, that unconfessed sin in our lives that we go back to doing over and over again. It's something that we know that we shouldn't be doing, but, but we're not trying to stop. It's giving in to temptation and doing nothing to remove that temptation from, from our life. Sin is when we do it our own way and against God's way. For some, it's, it's about a relationship that we're in. It, it could be with a spouse, with a friend, or anyone we live life with and are having a hard time getting along. And, and we know there are things that we should or we shouldn't be doing, but we don't have the strength or the desire to do, to do or not do those things. And we find excuses not to be how God has called us to be in that relationship. 
I think for many during this time of COVID, it may be a distance from God that we're feeling during this pandemic where we're just not connecting with him like we know we should. And the longer we stay away, the more we wonder if God will really take us back. We reach the end of our rope when we make anything else more important than God. Because those things demand our allegiance. And they're going to gain such a foothold in our, our lives that we don't see a way that we can be free. When we see the rainbow, we remember that God desires to be in covenant, to be in relationship with us. He promised Noah he would find another way. And he did. And that's what we remember and we celebrate at Easter. But we don't have to wait until then for that to be a reality in our lives. We can celebrate that this happened, but it can be a reality any time that we approach God. See, the season of Lent is meant to be a time of confession where we acknowledge that we've done it our own way and against God's way. We, we admit our faults and we admit our needs. And, and, and we long for the grace of God that he offers freely, that provides forgiveness, and that provides healing. So for us to fully celebrate Easter, this first Sunday of Lent, we need to confess, to pray and acknowledge this before God. Maybe this is something that, that, that's been, that you've done before, but it needs to be done again. Maybe the, you've never done it before, and you feel the conviction to do it now for the first time. Maybe you want to do it, but you, you've done it so much that you don't feel like God will respond this time. See, we confess because the Spirit of God draws us in. God's saying, I, I want you to come to me and confess. And that Spirit shows us areas of our lives that need his forgiveness and correction. That's what conviction is. And, and the Bible tells us that, that conviction, that's one of the jobs of the Spirit. The Spirit draws us to God because God has found another way through Jesus and he is inviting us to be in covenant with him. So we need to take time during this service to allow for confession. And so we're going to take a pause before we come back and spend a brief time finishing up looking at this passage. We're going to stop and worship in song. And during this song, I want to invite you to, to be in prayer. Bring before God any unconfessed sin. Maybe you want to grab a pen and paper and write it down as a way to, for it to be something that you are, are purposely giving over to God. Maybe you want to be able to, to talk with someone who's here or, or who's at home with you about this and, and, and pray with them. It could be simply soaking in the words of the song about God's grace and through song and prayer bringing it before him. So I would encourage you to enter into a time of confession as we sing. Give over to God all those ways you've not done in his way and ask him to forgive you and do something new in you. Let's worship.
time you uh, wrote something down on a piece of paper or maybe you might do it later when you get home when you're when you're done praying uh, take that paper and just rip it up the psalmist says that God forgives us and our sins go away from us as far as the east is from the west imagine how far that is just keeps going and going and going away oh, and, and I want to encourage you to it, to, to talk with someone about what you did because see the thing is when God when, when this happens in our lives God is looking to do something new in us whenever we do this we're a new creation the old is gone the new has come that's what we say whenever we're baptized and we recognize God's grace but it doesn't stop there either see nestled between the creation story and the story of Noah and the ark is, is, is another story which really isn't a story it's just something someone says as a part of a genealogy it's almost too silly to even bring up here except for the fact it's referenced by jesus so it must have some importance and it's actually uh something that noah's great 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 i'm not sure how many greats it is uh father says his name is lamech and it's a part of a genealogy and here's what he says i have killed a man for wounding me 
a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech, 70, then Lamech 77 times, or sometimes translated 70 times seven. And it's another example of the, the evil in the world spinning out of control. And, and it's like the, the, the early parts of, of, of the origins, it's just the wild, wild west. And Lamech is saying he's going to get it worse than those who want to be an avenger and try and, and, and kill Cain and avenge Abel's death. It's going to be worse on him than, than what God said would happen to someone who did that to Cain. But the important piece of this story is the numbers. They come up later in, in an interaction that Jesus has with one of his disciples, ironically Peter, before he tells one of his parables. And if you go to Matthew chapter 18, you'll find this. Peter asks Jesus a question. How many times should I forgive someone who wrongs me? Seven? Now, I want you to know that, that if you had been a good rabbi or teacher of the law in that day, the answer would have been three. I guess, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, and, you know, you're, you're dead to me. I don't know. But it was three times, for whatever reason. And Jesus had just gotten done talking to his disciples and to the crowd about, about needing to, to, to make things right with someone you're not getting along with. So maybe Peter just felt like, okay, let me look a little better. Let me look a little more spiritual and say seven. And Jesus' answer should sound really familiar. Jesus says, not seven times, but 77 times which also, again, is translated 70 times 7. And Jesus is bringing that, that ugly time around our story, that time when evil was out of control. He was bringing that and saying, remember when God forgave that? There is no number. There is no number on how many times you forgive someone. And he follows it up with a parable. One where one man is shown mercy by a king to whom he owed a, this huge debt. And, and this man who, who, who now owes nothing, he, he goes away and he encounters someone along the road that owes him a, a tiny amount. And, and rather than show the same forgiveness that was shown to him by that king, he demands the money be paid back to him and even throws the, the man in jail until the debt can be paid which was what was going to happen to him. When the king finds out that he did this, he says, you know what? Your debt's not canceled anymore. And he gets thrown in jail. And it's because he didn't understand the mercy he was shown, obviously because he didn't show the same mercy to others. Let's think back. God found another way. The rainbow, it reminds us that we've reached a place where we need God because we can't do it on our own, right? And God, through Jesus Christ, as Peter so eloquently says, saves us when we call out to him. This is the covenant that God has made with anyone who comes to him in prayer. And the powerful call that I, I hear Jesus giving us in his answer to Peter and the subsequent parable is that we're, we're called to be a part of that covenant, not, not just by receiving forgiveness, but by giving it to others. We are to forgive as he forgives us and, and show others around us the, the grace of God that we've experienced. And, and we show this same grace 
to others by forgiving them. Now, it's important to say here that forgiving someone, it doesn't mean that we excuse their behavior. It doesn't mean that when we forgive someone that we, we, we keep ourselves in situations and in a place where we're being taken advantage of or mistreated or even abused. That's not what this means. Forgiveness is about seeing the other person as God sees them. As someone who's able to respond to the grace of God, one who is invited to respond to the, the conviction of God's spirit and to be in covenant and relationship with God. And, and we view them that way because that's what happened for us. And if God can do that for a world spinning out of control that's, that, that, that where evil is, is that way, then that's the way that we are to view others just like he views them. Jesus is saying that, that our forgiveness from God is linked to how we forgive others. If we don't forgive as God forgives, then it really shows that we don't understand the depth of God's forgiveness in our lives. And we're not experiencing it for all, all, all the fullness that it can be in our own lives. So our walk through the Old Testament this morning shows the, the devastating consequence of a flood because of evil and sin spinning out of control. And when Noah and his family they, and all the animals, they, they come out of the ark, God makes a covenant. He will find another way to deal with the evil. And he does this ultimately through Jesus Christ. So this type of Lent is an opportunity for us to, to look at ourselves and, and pray to God about any unconfessed sin. And then because of the forgiveness and, and the new life that we have from him, we, we join God in what he's doing and, and showing the same mercy and grace to others that God has shown to us. Let's pray. Well, God, it seems natural that the first thing we need to do is just to give you thanks. You are a great and gracious God. We can even think back to the worst thing in our lives that we've ever done, and you say, I will forgive you. If you come to me and pray, I will forgive you. And we desire your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness in our lives. And we, we desire not, not, not just to be forgiven and to be able to tear up that piece of paper, but because we want you to do something new in our lives. We want to be a new creation. And, and we want part of that newness to be about others and how we treat them. We want to be able to see others as you see them. And we, and we, we, we pray that you will help us to do that. It's, it's really hard sometimes. That's what you're calling us to do. So we give you thanks for who you are, for what you've done, and pray that you will help us to be able to join you in what you're doing. We pray this in the natural name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's worship together.